Diamondbacks escape San Francisco with one win over the weekend. Out to the KDUS hotline we go and go around Major League Baseball. We're now joined in sportsman by Matt Schneider of CBSSports.com. And Matt, always good to have you on. Let's throw the Diamondbacks. They were undefeated in their previous nine road series before they lost two out of three over the weekend at San Francisco. How long can Arizona maintain its first place standing with just two reliable starting pitchers? Obviously, Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly have been really good. They each have nine wins. But after that, you don't really know what you're getting from day to day. Yeah, uh, probably not that much longer. And I was going to try to put an optimistic, optimistic spin on saying, like, <laughs> just getting one game from the Giants at a three at this point is a huge feat. I mean, if you go back to they started six and thirteen, from that point forward, from that point to right now, the Giants have had the best record in baseball. They've been better than the Braves, they've been better than the Rays. So just getting one of three in there is is pretty solid. But yeah, it's, I, and another part of that I was going to say is especially since Gallon didn't pitch one of those three games. Well, it, it shouldn't. And the playoffs, maybe you can get by with two starters and, and trying to piece together in the short series, but. Over the long haul of the regular season, they really do need some help. Um, and the thing is, still a little over a month away from the trade deadline, but with three wild cards in each league and both central being so bad, relatively speaking, there are so many teams that have a chance to make the playoffs, and that leaves so few sellers. It's hard to tell what kind of starting pitching market there's going to be. So, uh, yeah, I I do think they're a good team. I think they're going to be a contender the whole season, but they definitely need to figure out something in the rotation that's probably going to have to come from outside the organization. Okay, so, you know, should they, you know, they have a lot of young talent. Uh, some of it's in the major leagues now. A lot of it's, you know, it's still in the minor leagues, but they've got tons of positional, you know, player talent. Should they trade some of that for some pitching help? Yeah. I mean, it's, and here's the thing, like, when when you build up and you stockpile such a good farm system, it's for one of two ways to use, and you should always do both. Number one, obviously, is what you're seeing with somebody like Corbin Carroll, which is help the big league roster try to hold on to that player for most of his career, if not all of his career. The other reason you have it is to flip it for major league, established major league talent, because sometimes prospects don't pan out. And uh, if you go back to some of the bigger rebuilds, teams like the Astros and the Cubs, and it maybe it's happening with the Orioles right now. But if you go further back in the past, or, or the Braves, you look at the, the, the recent wave on the Braves, that's probably the best example right now, so I'll, I'll latch onto that. There were there waves of talent with guys like Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies on up through Spencer Strider and Michael Harris last year. They used a lot of those guys for the big league roster, but also – they traded some of it for guys like Matt Olson and Sean Murphy. So it, it can work both ways. So the Diamondbacks press needs to figure out which guys are we going to hold on to, hopefully for most of their careers, and which of these prospects can we use as currency to get established major league talent. And, and right now it's got to be in the rotation. You mentioned the Giants. They have the best record in baseball since May the 1st. How good are they? <laughs> I mean, it, it, if you look at the personnel, they just don't seem that good. It doesn't seem like they can keep it up that long. They were mediocre last year. They started 6-13 and 13 this year. But I just keep having flashbacks to 2021 when I kept saying, so many of us kept saying, 
they're not this good. There's no way they can keep it up. And they won 107 games. Uh, so, I, again, I'm going to say I don't feel like their personnel is good enough to keep playing like this, but they're doing something internally with their scouting and how they get the most out of the players that I, it's hard for me to fully doubt them remaining contender all year just because we just saw it in 2000, or 2021. So, I, again, I, I guess my short answer is, I don't feel like the personnel is that good, but I learned my lesson in 2021. The Dodgers, 43 and 34. How do they compare right now to the Diamondbacks and the Giants? They're probably the best bet to win the division just because it's the Dodgers. And it seems like things are starting to kind of come together a little bit after they got embarrassed by the Giants last weekend, uh, two weekends ago, I guess. Uh, but, you know, 4 and 1 against the Angels and Astros. Very nearly swept the Astros. They had to go into extras last night for the late comeback. But right now, then I look at the schedule. Uh, they're at Colorado and at Kansas City this week for six. So that's at least four and two, maybe five and one, maybe even six and zero. Oh. Then they play four against the Pirates, who are brutal right now. They've lost ten and eleven, ten of eleven. Uh, and then they've got two at home against the Angels and at the All Star break. We might well be talking about the first place Dodgers at the All Star break. You know, Andrew Friedman is good enough at the trade deadline to shore up what he needs to shore up. Uh, starting pitching-wise, Julio Urias is not far away from coming back to join Clayton Kershaw and Tony Gonsolin. They've gotten, you know, Emmett Sheehan, the rookie they threw in the fire. It looks like he's going to stick. They've got reinforcements coming. Uh, they're going to be good the rest of the way. The Dodgers are – they're not nearly as good as they were the last couple years, but, I mean, they won 106 and 111. That's, no, that's not an insult to say they're not as good. They're, they're going to win – mid-90s or so, they're a real threat. Should we even talk about the Padres, or are they just sure. cooked? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've kept thinking all year they have too much talent to keep playing like this, and I still think that. Um, you know, the, the Mariners around this time last year ripped off like 14 wins in a row and then stuck in the playoff race the rest of the way. I think the Dodgers or the Padres are fully capable of that, and they were really – coming around at this time last week. They had just won two or three from the Rays. They hadn't lost a series in almost a month. And then they had those two late-inning meltdowns in San Francisco, ended up losing three or four to the Giants. Then they lost two of three at home to the Nationals, uh, got shut out by the Nats on Saturday, got humiliated yesterday. They've lost five of seven now. They've lost 41 games, and they're not even at the halfway point. I still think they have enough talent to make a run of this thing and to make the playoffs, and I would not be remotely surprised if they made the playoffs. However, I also think there's a very realistic chance that those two Giants walk-off wins to start last week were kind of the back-breaking moment of their season. Matt Schneider of CBSSports.com, Curling of the Sports Zone. All right, Aaron Judge, torn ligament in the big t- in the toe. Uh, Aaron Judge, Aaron Boone, excuse me, Aaron Boone, remaining vague about any you know injury timetable here. Should we eliminate the uh, slumping and ailing Yankees from our postseason thoughts, or is that too harsh of a you know, assertion at this point? It's probably too harsh, but I, I want to blame you. I mean, it's, they are in playoff position right now, but not by that much only a game up on the Astros, and I expect the Astros to get better, especially when Jordan Alvarez comes back. Um, 
their lineup, they rank down toward the bottom in Major League Baseball and on base percentage, which I think is the most important thing because it's just not making out. And the other team has to get you out 27 times to beat you. Uh, they're ranked down around like the Royals and the A's and the White Sox as the worst team in baseball at getting on base. That's not going to cut it. Uh, it is worrisome on Judge. And, uh, it, you know, being the big toe, I don't think it's that big of a deal in terms of pain management or anything like that. But it, it, it's a big deal for balance. And balance is such a big deal for hitting. And the main asset he brings to the table, while he is a very good defender and he's a good base runner, especially for his size, you need him at the plate to be Aaron Judge. And if he doesn't have his balance down, he's not going to be good. So they have to wait until his toe is fully healed before he can even try to come back. A torn ligament in the big toe, it seems like it's going to take a while. So I, I think they're in a bad way right now. I wouldn't eliminate them, but there are certainly teams I would predict. over. Them. I'll, I'll say this. Well, I would not eliminate them. If he said predict the AL playoff field right now, I probably would not have the eight minutes. The Braves, after winning two out of three over the weekend at Cincinnati, they're now 5-1 and one this year against the Reds. Uh, all these games, all six games, have been decided by one run. Let, let's start with the Braves here, and let's actually start, you know, what have you heard about the health of Max Freed and Kyle Wright? I think Freed is, is kind of on the comeback trail to where we could expect him uh, early August or so, maybe. Wright's going to take a little bit longer, but they do expect by September they'll both be kind of firing at all cylinders. And, hey, I mean, the team already is right now. You know, they, they're they so good. I, I ranked them number one in power rankings today. I think they're the best team in baseball right now, and that's without two of their frontline starters. They've got such good work out of Bryce Elder blending in with the veteran Charlie Morton and the fellow youngster Spencer Strider. They're starting to see some stuff from other youngsters like A.J. Smith-Shayer, uh, maybe Jared Schuster can stick in the rotation at some point, but they've dealt with so many rotations in the in both the rotate injuries in both the rotation and the bullpen. I feel like once they start to get right down the stretch, they're going to be just an absolute monster. And it's, it's part of it. That offense is just you know what can you say about it? I mean, they, they lead the National League in batting average, on base percentage, slugging percentage, run scored, hit, home runs. There's just and the, the guys get hot at different times. At the start of the year, Sean Murphy was amazing. He kind of settled down. Michael Harris couldn't hit anything. Now Michael Harris and Eddie Rosario are, are just ridiculously hot. Ronald Acuna Jr. would be the MVP right now. I think Corbin Carroll would be second, but Acuna is the MVP right now. Austin Riley still there with the power. Ozzie Albies, just another great season, maybe the best power season he's ever had. And, I, and then Matt Olson right now is just out of his mind and with 25 home runs and 60 RBI right now, not even at the halfway point. It's a ridiculous offense. Okay, so the Reds, let's take the other side of the, the weekend series here. They have all these young position players. Is their yeah. pitching staff good enough to be a postseason threat? Well, they've, got, they've had some injuries in rotation. And like Hunter Green – He'll come back and he'll he'll be good. He, he's a really good young pitcher. He's as exciting as anybody to watch. Uh, Andrew Abbott, since he got brought up, has been amazing in the rotation. So I, I think they're going to be buyers at the deadline. They might be competing with the Diamondbacks for rotation arms. But I think they can kind of patch it together, especially because unlike the Diamondbacks, the Reds have such a weak division 
competition-wise. Like, the Brewers just being broken. The Cubs aren't any better than mediocre. The Cardinals are bad. The Pirates are awful. So if the Reds can win something like 85 games, they could well win the division. And then you never know with a young team like that that's just dumb enough to think they can succeed in the playoffs. They can make a deep run, and that would be really fun. Uh, it, the rotation certainly is an issue. The the road to Alexis Diaz in the bullpen also has been kind of an issue. I think they can shore those up a little bit, at least good enough to, to contend in the NL Central. They're, they're, they're as fun as anybody right now. They're so fun to watch. That series against the Braves was amazing. Uh, the, the, the two Reds losses were by one run, and they kept battling back in all three games. Just so fun to watch. The Reds and the Orioles, uh, two teams with many young, impressive position players. Uh, in fact, the Orioles are promoting Jordan Westberg today. But the Red, Reds and the Orioles begin a three-game series today in, in Baltimore. What are you looking for in the next three days? Well, you know, first off, in general, who would have thought a couple of years ago that we would be talking about the Reds and Orioles being must-be TV? But for my money, that's my favorite series this coming week. <laughs> Again, who would have thought yeah. that? Uh, both teams will run. Both teams are aggressive on the bases, which is fun, especially with, you know, the bigger bases this year and more more attention on base running. So, you know, that's you've got all the young talent there. You just mentioned Westford coming up along with Adley Rushman, who he's not there yet, but I think will be an MVP candidate here within the next few years. Gunnar Henderson has gotten hot in recent weeks after a slow start. On the red side, Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McLean. I mean, get out of here. They're, they're just so fun to watch. So you've got a lot of young talent on both sides. And also, veteran established all-star talent. Cedric Mullins just came off the IL for the Orioles. Joey Votto just came off the injured list for the Reds. Votto hit three home runs in his first two games back, including a game-tying shot Friday and a go-ahead three-run shot Friday. So, you know, you've got the little veteran blood in there. The Orioles can really shorten the game. With Yenier Cano and Felix Bautista at the back end, the Reds have Alexis Diaz, one of the best relievers in baseball. So they're kind of unknown on both sides of it. But the teams are similar in, in a lot of those ways that I mentioned. Going around Major League Baseball with Matt Schneider from CBSSports.com. Okay, so we're roughly halfway through the season here. The new rules we've seen, you know, plenty now. Uh, what do we like and maybe not like? Uh, I absolutely love the pitch clock, and I think it's been great in, in reaching audiences that had tuned out baseball because it was too "quote unquote" boring. Um, don't even notice the bases, and a lot of it's funny in spring training. I was talking to a lot of the guys who had, you know, just been getting used to the new bases, or they'd gone back and forth in the past few years between the minors where they had them already, and they said once you're playing, you don't really notice. And I think that's kind of come to fruition. We don't really notice those. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't really not like anything because I was just thinking, like, the shift rule. I like the shift, too. I like the, the limitations on the shift. So I think I like all of it. At the risk of sounding like too much of a fanboy, <laughs> I don't have really have any complaints. I, I think everything has gone swimmingly. And uh, it's been the most exciting regular season, I, I for my money, in, in years. So I, I am absolutely loving everything right now. Okay, last week, the blocking home plate rule, which has been around for several seasons now, uh, was in the headlines twice. Why is this rule so still, you know, seemingly so confusing still? See, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I was sad I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head that I didn't like, and I absolutely hated those two applications. <laughs> it's it's yeah. weird because 
it seemed like it had been a non-issue for several years. We hadn't even thought about it anymore. And then you had that play, Rangers at White Sox, and Bruce Bochy got ejected for it. Uh, I, I don't know what catcher Jonah Heim, what more he could have done. There was a clear lane there. He went to catch the ball. He swiped the tag across. He did nothing against the rules at all. And that was a replay review. Usually at the review, if, if an umpire gets something wrong in real time, you can understand it because they didn't have time to think through everything and they didn't get a slow-mo benefit there. On replay, they have the rule book. They have the slow-mo benefit of the da- I, I I don't understand how they missed that one on replay. And then it happened, what, one night or two nights later in San Francisco. Uh, the catcher, it was Gary Sanchez, right of the Padres. He was all the way up the line, all the way up the line, and he went to catch it. In the rules, it specifically says, you know, you can't get in the path of the runner if you don't have the ball. But he had to go that way to get the ball, and he was holding the ball when he tagged the guy. I, I thought those were both mis- misapplications of the rule, and I don't understand how replay did it both times. If this becomes a trend, it's very concerning because neither one of those should have been a call. They were both, the runner got thrown out at home plate, and there shouldn't have even been anything to talk about. All right, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, the former Diamondback. He has a no-trade clause. There was weekend discussion that he might accept a trade to a contender like Philadelphia, but first up is Philadelphia contender. Uh, especially if they keep playing the Braves, they're never going to be a contender because they never <laughs> beat them, except except in the playoffs last year when you know the Braves' pitching was a mess. But anyway, uh, if Goldschmidt has opportunity to say if they go and ask him, We're, we got a trade in place, and you can go to Philadelphia, should he take that? Sure. Yeah, I think that'd be an excellent fit. I mean, Reese Hoskins went down with a torn ACL, and that's a shame. He is a free agent after the year. So it would be natural to blend Goldschmidt in there. I, he's only under control for one or two years after this year, so it's not yeah, a long-term more. commitment. Yep. One more, not a long-term yep. commitment for the Phillies. And uh, you know they're three games out right now, which is perfectly acceptable. Uh, and uh, if they get really hot, we've seen what they can do. And I just, I, I'm kind of looking ahead to how fun that lineup could be in the playoffs if they make it. You know, for example, if you add Goldschmidt there, they've already got, you know, the Thunder from the left side. And Schwarber and Bryce Harper from the left side. Bryce and Stott shown flashes of it this year, too. Uh, from the right side, Trey Turner, Nick Castellanos, who's having a nice bounce back here. JT Real Muto uh, and Alex Bohm at times in the playoffs. We saw when he would get hot with some big blasts. Uh, and, and then you had Paul Goldschmidt from the right side in the middle of all that. Man. That would be a really, really fun lineup to watch in the playoffs, especially if everybody's firing at all cylinders, like I said. Um, not sure if, if Goldsmith would definitely waive it, um, but you know the Cardinals, if they do decide to sell Goldschmidt, it looks like they're in for a rough next season or two because the pitching staff is just in a bad way there and they don't have much on the way pitching-wise. So that's definitely something to watch. That would be fun. Matt, always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks much. Have fun. All right. Take care. Matt Schneider, CBSSports.com. Check out his power rankings.